Welcome to Taiwan Temples, the podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kelly, and today our photographer, Rich Matheson, brings us the story of Wu Taipu, another photographer whose passion is for taking portraits of god statues. Everyone from Matsu to Guandi to Baosheng Dadi to the Tiger Lord. We begin in Uda Temple, Beigang, Yunling County, southern Taiwan. Hi, Taipu. That's Taipu. I'm just gonna walk around and get some sounds. And that's Rich. And this month, they are together holding a special exhibit of God photographs and temple performance artists in Uda Temple's very opulent Hall of the Jade Emperor. This is Taipu's third photographic exhibition of God statues, but it's the first that he is sharing with Rich. And how that happened is a story that began a few years back in a little shrine in the southern Taiwan city of Tainan in the very early hours of the morning. The first time I met Taipu, it was 4 a.m. in a small Tainan temple in, in a little back room, and there was a face painting artist finishing off the Bajajang troupe, and I felt quite special to be there. There were only three photographers. There was myself, and then another videographer, Lin, and Taipu. And so I was curious why he was there, what his photos were like there. We didn't have a whole bunch of time to talk. We were basically photo- photographing, and then we followed the troupe for the rest of the day. Um, so I, I checked out his Facebook page. I guess it's I guess it's a bit of competitive, you know, are his photos as good as mine? <laughs> I was astounded at the sheer numbers of gods that he had on his on his feed and and just that he would have five a day of, of new gods. There there are a lot of photographers at, at the temple festivals and some quality can be yeah, not not so great, but the his just gorgeous god photos. Um, we met at subsequent temple festivals and chatted here and there and we finally sat down for a coffee and uh, he told me his story. Taipu is a wedding photographer, and it's easy to see how the skills from that profession, in lighting, staging, portraiture, would translate pretty well into shooting god statues. But it's actually a little more interesting than that. When you do a wedding, you only do it once, and so so he's the expert there. He knows the whole process, of course, as a wedding photographer should. And so he's guiding them. He tells him, okay, now you throw the flowers, now you you throw the fan out the window. And it's the same thing to take photos of these statues. He knows the whole the whole ritual because he he's seen it lots of times. So when a god statue's clothing is changed, Taipu knows the time, the date, and the procedure. Or when a god enters a new statue for the first time, or is taken out of a temple, or put back inside. Taipu is there, just like at one of his weddings, directing the process. Put that here, move that there, hold that. That's how he gets so many photos, really. But also, the people that commission the statues are paying him. Which is Rich's dream job. And again, it's very much like doing a wedding. Taipu has clients, which could be the temple management or a private donor and they want the best picture of the event. And they know they have to cooperate to do that and to give Taipu whatever access he needs. If you look at a Taiwan temple, there's a a whole mess of gods there. And they're also in a special area of the temple. If if you want to get in and get a really good photograph from the angle that you want, you need special access. You may need to get statues moved. You may need the main statue taken out of a glass case. You may need fluorescent lighting turned off. And all of this requires the permission of the temple management. 
and also the okay of the God himself. And if you're wondering about that last bit, yes, you literally do ask the God directly for permission, usually by casting divination blocks in a process called Boabue. We do it ourselves whenever we film or photograph in a temple. Rich swears that he gets better photos this way, though really it's just about showing respect. So we've got a little conversation coming up now between Rich and Taipu about God statues, what they're made of, what they can be used for, how to get that perfect full-on frontal shot, and also the stories behind a couple of the best photographs that Taipu has taken. So stick around. This is Taiwan Temples, the podcast. I really like photos of God statues, but I guess it's more the process of getting the photo that inspires me. It's like you find a really interesting God, maybe you see it online, and you desperately want to photograph it. But it's not that simple. A big central statue, for example, is really difficult to get a good photo of. It's hard to capture the whole body in one photo. It's usually blocked by something. So when you see a photo that shows the whole figure, you should know that this is pretty special. A good example is the Shuntian Shandi statue at Futeng Beiji Dian. This temple is in Tainan. His statue here is big and especially beautiful, but it's really hard to photograph because it's in the back of the temple and there are other god statues in front blocking the view. To get a photo of his entirety, I had to get permission from the temple manager and then cast divining blocks to see if the god also agreed. Sometimes a statue might also be very far from where I live. We have to travel, and when you get there, you aren't even certain to get a photo. You can really be looking forward to capturing something special, but then you don't get anything. It's kind of hard to describe the feeling. What kinds of god statues are there? I don't mean the type of gods, but the statues themselves. In Taiwan, we have solid statues and what people call soft statues. Soft statues are statues whose joints, bodies, legs, arms can all move, just like us humans. They can stand and sit. There are also ancient statues. Often the statues were there when the temple was first built. In fact, many have a longer history than the temples they're in. First there was a statue, then a temple was built to house it. The stories of these statues, their origins, how they came to Taiwan, are all really interesting. However, the age of these statues is actually very difficult to discern. Perhaps one of the oldest I have photographed is Zhiqi Temple's Baosang Er Dadi. This temple is north of Tainan in Xiejia. Baosang Er Dadi is considered the god of medicine. His statue here is pretty old. Some Matsu statues are very old as well. Matsu is sometimes called the goddess of the sea, and she's also the patron goddess of Taiwan. At Fucheng Kaiji Senho Tian Temple. There's a Ming Dynasty Matsu statue. Well, the Ming Dynasty ended in 1644, so we can be sure that statue is very old. 
What kind of materials are the god statues made of? Most are carved from a block of wood. In the wood statues, you can see their history through something called Danbo or Tanhua. Tanhua is when wood is very, very old and it turns into a charcoal-like substance. Tanhua means the process of wood becoming like charcoal. Danbo, on the other hand, is when pieces of the statue fall off or wear off, maybe a cheek or a nose. Bigger statues, by the way, are usually made from clay, like the statues in the central shrine of a temple. For these statues, we need them to be big, but we can't find blocks of wood this big, so we fashion the god from clay. On a second day of my interviews, Type invited me to his home to tell me the stories behind a few of his photos. You can listen to him talk about two of them on this podcast, and if you want to see them, check out our Facebook page. Picture one, the smallest guanine. This is the smallest statue I photographed in my six or seven years of photographing God statues. It is Guanin Buddha. From the head to the base, it's about the length of a cigarette lighter. It's super small. The head is only the size of the nail on my pinky finger, but it's very old. The Buddha's face has carbonized. The statue is in a temple in Tainan's Jiangjun district. It's in the temple's main shrine. You can see it, there's no glass, but you can see it very clearly, as it's very small, a little bit far back, and it's also dark inside the temple. I know the people at this temple, so I talked to them beforehand and told them I want to take photos. My primary purpose is to document these old statues, the way they were carved, their design. We hope to preserve their historical development. Photos were taken from all angles for the historical record. These photos, the image files, were all given to the temple to keep or to print out copies for themselves. Picture 2. The Lord Tiger This particular Lord Tiger God statue is pretty special. I saw a photo of it on the net. And as usual, I started looking for him, like the Guan'in. He is in Tainan's Changjun district. But he doesn't live in any particular temple. One year he's in one temple, the next year in another, and the third year he's in yet another temple. He actually moves every year between the three temples. He never had a temple built just for him. And he's been doing this for a couple of hundred years. This is the story. Our ancestors from China brought over four statues. The Lord Tiger, the city god, Wen Pan Guan and Wu Pan Guan. When these people settled in Taiwan, they were quite scattered. But everyone wanted the statues because they have the power to protect us and the land. So our ancestors began to share the four statues. But they always keep the four together, 
and never built temples just for these gods. They just use other temples as a temporary home. But these other temples also have resident gods. Actually, there are many similar stories in Taiwan. Gods that don't have a temple, I mean. Some are in private houses. This year it goes to your house, next year mine. We use divining blocks to pray to them and determine where it goes. At this point in our conversation, Tite began to talk about the way the Lord Tiger statue is used for spirit writing, and we got off into a fascinating side topic of just how a god chooses his spirit medium. I'm going to use a Taiwanese term here, Dangi, which is a person who the god possesses temporarily to get some message across. Dangi do not fill a professional or institutional role. Anyone can be a Dangi as long as you are called to be one. Taipu and I recently met and communed through a young female Dangi who works in the day as a stockbroker. Dangi come from any level of society. And while the idea of becoming a vehicle for a god may seem strange, it's widely accepted in Taiwanese society, especially rural society. To help his followers deal with difficulties, Lord Tiger will go through a Dangi, who then uses the statue itself to write the answers to problems. And Lord Tiger finds this helper, this Dangi, by himself, by finding someone linked to him by fate. For example, if you want to become Lord Tiger's Dangi, but it doesn't want you, it won't happen. It chooses you. You could refuse, but sometimes he will do things so you won't be able to refuse. I mean, he'll use supernatural methods and give you some incentives. For example, if you become my Dangi, then I will protect you, protect your family. Actually, Lord Tiger will discuss these incentives with you. He might promise you'll be able to do things others can't. Or, if you don't do what he's asked, he might punish you. For example, the drawer space in a desk where you put books and things. Your head won't fit in there, right? Well, maybe Lord Tiger will possess you and stick your head in the desk, and then the god will just leave you there. Your head is jammed in a desk, and you can't pull it out. So, are these stories just common legends, or have you actually heard of this happening firsthand? Okay. Sure, I've heard of it happening. This has happened in my family. My grandfather was a Dangi. He often didn't listen to the god. When the god asked him to help, he wouldn't. He was rebellious. So the god would enter his body and stick his head in the desk. I never saw this, but my auntie did. Stuck there with his head in the desk. So she would have to go seek the god's help and plead with him to rescue my grandfather and forgive him, and encourage my grandfather to listen to the god. Eventually the god would forgive him and then help him out. But don't forget, if you become a Dangi, there are many benefits. If you have difficulties or bad luck, the god can help you change that into good luck. But you must serve the god. It's a kind of fate. We all say it's a kind of fate. Fate with the god. Okay, back to Lord Tiger. So the Lord Tiger's Dangi will use the Tiger statue's body to write. 
For example, you ask the god, why am I sick? What's troubling me? And the dangi uses the tiger statue's body to write on a table. Maybe incense ash is used and spread on the table. Then the statue is dragged over it so you can see what's written. Or maybe ink is used. But usually it's ash. There are two kinds of writing, by the way. One uses normal Chinese characters. The other uses special symbols that need to be interpreted by a priest. So you see in the first picture, this Lord Tiger's statue, ears, arms, legs, his tail, are all gone. They've been worn flat or broken away by years of use. When I first found him, he was all bound together by wire. Everything else was worn away. If they had kept going, there would be nothing left by now. So people tied a block of wood to the Lord Tiger's body and used the block to continue writing. When I first found this Lord Tiger statue, that was the condition he was in. And as I was taking photos, I discovered the temple wanted to restore the statue. But they didn't want to restore the statue so it looked all shiny and new. If it's restored as new, you really can no longer see the historical significance of it. They wanted the restored piece to preserve an old look. So I helped them find a master who could do this. He lives in Taipei, but specializes in restoring these god statues, and he has repaired many tiger lords. So he knows his head is usually like this, the posture is often like that. He uses this experience as a basis to model new pieces. In the past, the gods would show the artist how to do it. Maybe the artist would see the likeness in a dream. Some probably still do this. But these days, the masters mostly study existing statues and repair old ones based on this. They do careful studies of many statues just to repair one. A good master will also look at how the body of the original statue is shaped and positioned to guess where the tiger once faced to the left, to the right, or straight on. Just a final addendum. The Tiger Lord is completely restored now, but for the time being is no longer used as a spirit writing device. Taiwan Temples was produced by the Taiwan Temples team. Rich Matheson, Mike Alvis, Tilda Lumiere, and me, Robert Kelly. Our deep thanks to Utaipu for agreeing to this interview, and also for the photographs, which you can find on our Facebook page and also Instagram, where our handle is Taiwan Temples. A big thanks also to Steve Crook for doing the voiceover, for Mo Sheng for his song Contain on the album Chill Dynasty, and also Electricado for their song Baited. We'll have links for both of those on our Facebook page. If you like the podcast, you can show your support and appreciation by sharing this with your friends. Post a link on Facebook, send someone an email, tweet this, whatever you want. We plan to make this a somewhat regular feature with interviews and stories about temple culture from around Taiwan. So please leave your suggestions, comments, requests, you name it. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs>